0: Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Welcome everyone to Growing Up Fire, episode 20. I got the cat boys in the house. Brent and Wayne are here. Father-son team from Chestermere, Alberta. And uh, you can uh, buckle up because I think this will be a good one. Lots of good stories about lots of crazy things that happen. For me, I always like to paint the backstory. started in Chestermere just a few months ago, actually. And it was kind of funny because right on the first day... Brent you're sitting there you're the captain that day sitting there you know and I'm kind of asking you questions and talking to the different guys and and just right from the start we kind of hit it off kind of knew that we would get along good enough anyways and so then I was walking through the hall and I'm asking questions and looking at everything and we have this the history wave I guess we'll call it in the training room and I start reading from the start and it's like oh in 1979-80 started the fire department and Wayne Paquette was the fire chief and I was like what, is that your dad? <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's, that's my dad. And so you read through the whole history of it and all the things. And and so right away, because I grew up fire and, and I'm all about this podcast and what's going on, I was like, okay, I definitely got to have you guys. And so it took a few months, but here we are. Thanks for coming, guys. Appreciate it. We're going to talk about all of those things, all the things that made Chestermere fire what it is today. So all the good, the bad, the ugly, the blame, the pats on the back, everything. It's coming out here, right right here, right now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with you, Wayne, because you decided, I'm going to move to Chestermere and I'm going to build a house. So can we start there? What year was that? What were...
1: Well, I'm going to start a couple of years just before that. Sure. Actually, my uh, father was renting place out here in 1950. And we were all out here all the time. It was leased at that time. And finally, they built a cabin on the lot right across from where the fire hall is, actually. And then about 1975, things really started to move out of Chestermere because the WID, which is the Western Irrigation District, which owned the land all the way around, was leasing to everyone, decided, okay, we're tired of fighting with you people all the time on what you can do and what you can't do so they all of a sudden came up with a number and they said 1.5 million dollars and you can buy all, all the stuff around the lake and I think they pretty well thought we couldn't come up with that much money because I know a lot of the people who wanted to invest and build houses out here and uh, they figured yeah they've only got about 7 days to do this so hey what's going to happen we'll get into it and we can build places. So what happened was everybody went and we had a cabin owners association. And what happened at that time was it took them basically on the phone, not even 24 hours before they had over a million dollars in their pocket. (laughs) Ready to buy it. They had uh, within the next eight or 10 hours, they had enough 1.5 and they had a couple of people out here who were very wealthy, backed it, so, basically, we bought the whole thing for $1.5 million and divided it by lots around and paid it back. And that's how, basically, the owners of Chestermere started. Okay. So, after that, we did move out here and built a place in about 75. We were coming out here pretty steady then. Amy was born in 76. You were born in 79, so 78, we came out here to start building a house, which we did. And from that time on, kind of the 75, 79, 80, everything started just snowballing here. There was 350 people about when we first were out here. It was just doubling all the time and went from the summer village of to the village to the town, which now it's the city of Justimer. So in all those years, it's uh, progressed along. It hasn't really slowed down any. And back then, we were starting up everything we could. We built a new hall for the community. There was a new office put in. We never had an office. We didn't have a place to keep anything. There used to be, starting with the fire department, there used to be a cabin owners association out here, and they had an old uh, Ford truck with a water tank on the back, which has been restored now.
0: Yes, it's at the fire hall. It's cool.
1: Yep. And when we were trying to get something going, Roy Berg and I started it. Basically, he was a firefighter in Calgary. And now that we were out here and had our families out here, it was at least 15 to 20 minutes to get an ambulance out here. If it was available. And it was that or longer if there was a fire truck available. But if they were busy, we had no contract with nobody. Nobody had to come. So, being selfish, we said, that's for our families, this can't work. Yeah, that's
0: how it always gets started, that's awesome.
1: So, normally sitting around the table uh, at Roy's or my place with a bottle of rum and a bottle of rye, we would talk about this, about how we were going to do this. So, we kind of decided that maybe we should start a volunteer fire department, and that's kind of how it got started one night with probably too many drinks, but we needed a fire chief, and we needed a deputy chief, and so they, I said, "Well, what happens to a fire chief? What do we have to do? Like I'm already in five other things out here that I'm president of or something else of." <laughs> and he saw it just somewhere to send mail, and I went, "Oh, that's good. You know, it's just mails from the government and all this kind of stuff. You know, that we have to bring up, you know, bring up at a meeting. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I'll be fire chief. Yeah, Not a problem. Sounds
0: right.
1: <laughs> sounds about the way it starts. All of them start." But anyway, we started from there and went over to council and started talking about it, and they were not too enthused about it at all, and... We so can.
0: There's a couple things. I just got to stop you there for a second because it's like you, you were worried about waiting 20 minutes for an ambulance. And that didn't really change since 1979, sadly. <laughs> I'm glad you started a fire department because it's available faster because of that. And council wasn't too enthused. And I think that probably didn't change across the country in all of Canada or maybe no. around the world in all of that time. So, all right. I just want to clarify those two points before we carry on to the next piece here.
1: <laughs> so, carrying on, we uh, ended up by getting a good counselor behind us, actually. It was uh, Counselor Len Hughes, who was part owner of Hughes Construction in Calgary. And so, we were kind of looking around trying to find a fire truck. And Len came up and said, well, I have an old tanker that's out in the middle of a field, been sitting there for a while, 2,000 gallons. You know, I said, oh, that sounds pretty good. You know, that's carried a little bit of water around anyway. So he put some money into it, and the rest of us, I believe, probably kicked in some money as well. When it came in, it was quite a, quite a sight, and it was uh, all different colors, and it had a gold door on it and everything else. And we brought it in. At that time, I was working for CIL Paint, so took it and ran it through uh, one of the shops of my buddies, and it came out the nice yellow that they all were back then. And we started a fire department up with volunteers. And the first volunteer thing was that everybody had to work on the fire truck to get it. So we put a PTO on it and a dump valve at the back and get a you built your own pump. Truck. And we, yeah, <laughs> yeah started, started with air. We had to teach everybody how to drive it because it was a standard. And I believe that one was a five and a four. I think that one. And most people didn't even know how to drive standards at that point. So from there on, we started carrying on. We had no anything. We had got a couple pieces of hose and some old nozzles off the old fire truck and kind of started from there with uh, buying a bunch of stuff from Wholesale Fire Rescue in Calgary. And we carried on little by little and added to things and were buying all the old city of Calgary, whatever they were, had well used, well, well used. (laughs) So we started out with plastic hats and got rid of those and actually get some real ones from Calgary and we didn't have any really duty gear. So we bought the old white stuff from Calgary, which was again, well used, certainly not waterproof. I'll tell you that. (laughs) And it was more gray by then. Oh yeah. (laughs) So we would do that and that's how we kind of got going. And the first fire we were ever at, we got to, and we didn't even have fire phones to start with. We had, I can't remember, it was three or five, one of our phone number, which Brent still has, <laughs> there was three or four numbers that people had to phone and they had to find someone home before they could say, okay. And then we would- Oh, so was it, a yeah, phone it's list. not like 911. Uh, <laughs> there was a phone list that everybody had, three or four, I think it was five numbers that you could phone just because we wanted to make sure somebody was home. And then whoever they got, they would say, okay, And then it would be, everybody had a list to phone. And they would phone volunteers. And I don't know if we were working on CB radios back then or not. I think maybe we weren't even at that far yet. And the first one we went to, we didn't even have a ladder, actually. So we got there. It just happened to be a tree next to the garage. So everybody scaled the tree, no problem. Adrenaline rush, first call, got up there and, the axes, did go through the roof and did put some put it out, got down, and after everybody got down and talking to the lady who owned the place, and she says, oh, it was really nice of you guys to come. I says, yeah, it's our first fire. Then someone says, oh, we left the axe up on the roof. Well, nobody could jump up and grab a hold of the tree to get back up to go
0: get it again. <laughs> this is what I had to relight the fire, get some adrenaline going.
1: So... <laughs> It was kind of funny. Everybody laughed about it. We finally did boost the guy up there to go get our axe because it was probably our only one. <laughs> and the lady says, well, since you did that, and she came, she says, I'm going to buy you a ladder. So we actually got our first extension ladder because of our first fire.
0: From the person whose fire it was. Oh, yeah. wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I say, everything came from bits and pieces and over the years and uh, Yeah.
0: It's a common struggle, right? To start a fire department, you're asking for a bunch of tax money and you have to find a truck and everybody pitches in and then someone gives you a ladder and someone, oh, I got another axe. And it just kind of grows and grows to today's modern fire service where we're buying million dollar apparatus and fire halls. And you can see why there's some hard feelings from the taxpayer the odd time. But I mean, obviously we can't do the work that we do today the way that we do it with the old ways of waiting for someone to donate something to us. But it's always cool to me how a firefighter, so like, you know, as far back as I can get guests to come on this show talking about how you just get it done. We want to do it. So we find a truck and we fix it all up. We want to do it. So we start learning how to do it. We get some old equipment from somebody. We, right? And it, then it just progresses into these modern fire services. And they all started the same way, you know. Go back as far as you want; they all started the same way. So to me, it's it's almost unbelievable that that's how it started. But it's clear across the board that you know, growing up, fire is all part of that story, right? So Brent, you're you're a kid. You're growing up in this, right? Your dad was supposed to just get the mail, and next thing you know, he's running the whole fire department. <laughs> What's that like? What's it like to grow up in a—at This is at that time, it was just a small town.
2: Yeah, it was a small town then, um, about 380 people. So that's why it wasn't a big deal, I guess, to have a phone number for 911 or something like that. I still remember the number, though, that it was when I changed fire phones. But it was—I don't know. It was just always—he had always done it, right, because I was born in 79. So— that's kind of right when they started. So the fire truck that's been restored that's in the hall now, that truck was never in service or anything or around when I was growing up. So I didn't, I read about it in the history book before we ever even found that truck. But I remember that first truck that he's talking about, them swapping the tanks off that onto a new chassis. And it was just always fire. That's all I ever did. I. There wasn't ever a time where it was, oh, is Brent going to be a firefighter? He's going to do this, he can do that. Just... I was just always going to do that. There was no...
0: So, you you don't have, like, a first memory where, like, I'm going to be a firefighter because... No, was it
2: was just a- something I would always <laughs> do. It was never, never really a thought. That was what I was going to do. Went,
1: once we had the fire phones and we had a siren on top of the fire hall and on the fire phones, we pushed the button to set off the siren and it was set for 90 seconds. So, we were only about four houses down from the fire hall. So, once... The call came in, usually less. My wife, she'd grab a hold of it, and as soon as it was one, she'd nod at me, and I would go rushing out the door, and so would he, and we had 90 seconds. And even if the snow was that big, I'd be yelling out, come on, Brent, get your butt moving, you know. Oh, you're trying to beat the siren, and Yeah, ending? we will beat the siren before <laughs> we were there and, and kind of book in. Wow, that's pretty good time. That's uh, probably better I don't, sh- w- don't want to put you on the hot seat. Better grandpa. shoot
2: times than I- what I got I- now. I don't want to look it up, but maybe. <laughs> Some days, <laughs> we-
0: definitely. We might have to get you to run from the house and beat the siren here. <laughs> uh- <laughs> it's good. I mean, and that's those goals, right? I mean, I think that's also part of being a firefighter is that you're challenging yourself to get across the street. Because nothing would happen if you didn't get there in 90 seconds. But it was just a fun game and a fun challenge to try and be there and, and, and beat that siren. So... I always love it when I run into somebody that doesn't have the first thought, right? And and really, like, my son's the same way. There was no, like, oh, I'm going to be a fireman. I decided on this day he was born a fireman. He'll be a fireman till the end, and probably his kid will be, and, and his kid's kid will be. And it, and it just starts to grow that way and starts to be that way. You know, for the first person in a family that does it, it's always seems to be that different out of necessity, right? So you're sitting there Wayne. you know, you're having a few drinks with your buddy and he says, you know, we, we got to get this going. It's for our community. It's for our families. It's for our, right. And you start to think of a way to make it happen. And so uh, my grandfather was the same way over in Manitoba. There wasn't anything. So they started an ambulance service. They found out that they needed firefighters because an ambulance service couldn't do everything. So then they started a fire department. And so it just kind of goes along that way. For me, I love it. I love that the whole family helps out, right? You're saying your wife grabs the phone and she's listening to everything so she can see if it's time to hit the button to sign. And you don't even wait. You're just across the road, you know, get the truck started, get the door open, do all the things. So one question I have, and I'm going to ask Wayne, is what did Brent do?
1: (laughs) Brent? Brent wasn't very old then, I'll tell you. He used to come over and while everybody was gone, he would sweep the floors Nice. Over and over and over again.
0: I want his, Brent, Brent's crew, if you're listening, this is for you guys. I want you to hear what Brent could do before. That just means I've been doing floors <laughs> way longer than I ever have.
1: <laughs> and back at the one one part when we did, did have cement floors, because we didn't start out with cement floors, we had gravel, but he would sweep them all out. And by that time, I think we'd upgraded to CB radios, and we had it in, in the hall as well. And he would listen to it, or if we needed something, we'd get back to him. If we needed, you know, something else done, and I know his mom used to phone him all the time and say, "Brent, are you coming home yet?" Well, no, they're they're coming back shortly. I'll just stay here. i will <laughs> the guys. <laughs> I wait for the guys to get back.
0: Okay, so I kind of thought that would be the answer, oh, yeah. but as a kid, right? I mean, yeah. you know, like let's talk about it. Go, tell me <laughs> what it was like to sit there and wait for the fire truck to get back. And
2: well, I was just always happy if I wasn't in bed, right, <laughs> to be able to go. And then if I was in, when the fire, because fire phones were crazy loud, and most, like, none of my guys know what a fire phone is. No, of course. <laughs> but they were super loud, so I'd wake you up if I was upstairs, and in our spare bedroom, I could see the fire hall from the spare bedroom. So I'd go to the spare bedroom, right, so I could watch the guys all come in and then watch the trucks leave. So I'd always do that at nights. But when I got to go over, which was quite a bit, yeah, I'd follow Dad over, and we'd try to get there before the siren was done. And then when they went to CB Radio's, that was one thing i was i was actually kind of like their one of their first dispatchers so I had to write down the time when they say that they were on scene and when their fire under control and when they were clearing and i just all did was, was write times <laughs> down
0: so, so um, your teacher couldn't get you to do your homework but oh no sit at the fire hall for <coughs> there's hours there's no way to write time <laughs>
2: yeah and i'd always be happy if there was hose in the tower because i get to roll hose hmm. or why well, i guess it wasn't a tower they had this pulley system and it would lay across all the trucks because there's no room but yeah i get to roll hose
0: so you're in there so so you don't have the first thought of when you'd be a firefighter so let's fast forward to when's the first time that you got to the fire hall with dad and someone said get on the truck you're coming with us it's a different time Uh, so yeah it was
2: uh i wasn't with dad though actually it was no it was with uh roy's son who was a volunteer and he was going out to take them a generator. He came in and he had to take him a generator, and he put it on the back of. They had a the pump that we'll probably talk about later. Here, they had a pump and a tender, and he put the generator in the back tender and said, "You're coming with me." And I was like, "Oh yes!" And we went out, and it was a motor vehicle accident, and I'm pretty sure it was a fatality. But I don't like just because it was that bad, and and now knowing what I know, I well, yeah, it was a fatality. I can tell you that. Because stars was sitting there and their engines were off, but this the helicopter was there, and the police cars and the fire trucks, and I was there for like two seconds. I know it was in the middle of winter, and it was a it was yeah, you, know, you can tell tell you what the temperature was. Yeah. We had a Chinook in the middle of the night, because it was late. I shouldn't have been out. I kind of just saw a quick glimpse of this scene, and then I was in another truck because one of the other guys was coming back and I came back with him. And so that was probably where it was like, this is definitely happening. Yeah. That's do probably you, where that happened. Do you remember
0: how old you were, give or take?
2: Oh, uh, I was probably 12. 12.
0: And were you on scene already, Wayne? Do you yeah, he was there. Call? So did you see him or he was there and gone so fast? You I did? probably didn't even see him. It was,
1: <laughs> it was something that we had stars and everybody else there and it was a fatality and
0: a everything else.
1: And the, it was such a busy thing. And then, you know. You have know, the RCMP where they weren't supposed to be, and then they were in the way. And, um, nothing's changed. Uh, nothing's nothing's changed. changed. Yeah. changed. <laughs> Not another story, but yeah. So yeah, it was quite, quite something for all of us to come up from where we did, and then we get down to the thing where hell, I'm standing in the middle of a field, landing stars. Yeah, like
0: it doesn't all go together. Where does it, where does it end? You know, like <laughs> you
1: just keep going, and yeah, can you do that? Oh well, yeah, yeah, we'll just do that. So
0: let's talk about that right? Because I think that's firefighting too and that's growing up fire and us all kind of changing through the thing. you know you're talking about trying to figure out how to get an ambulance into town for your family and going to your first fire. the police don't know where to park. It's a training course that they give them at depot. So. <laughs> and, and you know you're landing a helicopter and and so you know, was there what was the one time in your career where you could say to yourself like, so, obviously, the helicopter was one. What what are other times where you're just like, why, why are we doing this? Like, how did this become part of firefighting? Do you remember any of those things or any of those points?
1: Well, there's other things that come up before I would say, why are we doing this firefighting? <laughs> it was probably more to do with councils. They tried to shut us down a number of times in council to just dis- disband it. And we had a, just a couple people who were real just a pain in the ass. And these councillors were... You know, they had no, no need need for a fire department. You know, old story, until you need one. Of course, yeah. Right. And so, yeah, they wanted to shut us down, and just to the point where, for training, we used to run in to Calgary or the provincial to get VHS tapes, <laughs> and we needed a VHS machine. Well, I had to go rent one for $5. To watch these training videos? They wouldn't, to show everybody, and they were like old, old, old training videos, I'll tell you. And... They wouldn't pay the $5 it took us to buy us a new VCR. We just said, you know, like, they are not that expensive. We'll just buy one so we're not running back and forth. You know, all the gas we burn of our own and everything else. And to rent. And they said, no, we won't give you five bucks. And, you know, just some dumb things like that. So a lot of those head shakers. (laughs) Yeah, and another one when I finally found out that they were, I knew they were talking about putting water in because we didn't have water, the water system there. Wells, and I walked in and all of a sudden I found out that they were talking about putting uh, main lines in from Calgary and they were going to run four inch around the whole lake and no hydrants. Nobody told me from council they were doing that.
0: So what was the point?
1: <laughs> I heard about it, walked into council that night and lost my cool. Yeah. They were just, just going to vote it in. Right. And I pff, ripped a strip off of all of them and it went from there to six-inch with hydrants, and the mayor at that time, Mayor Pallison, it was, this place is never going to grow, so we don't <laughs> need it. And that was his favorite saying. Yeah. And yeah, and then like another time, they wanted to shut us down, period. It was like going to go to a vote to shut down the fire department, period. End of it. We all got together and made a, I don't know if you've read it or not, there is some floating around still, or a complete and everything, what they wanted to do. And all of us firefighters and their wives and everybody and their kids went around the whole lake and talked to everybody on it and gave it to them and said, this is what council wants to do. So I said, everybody, Monday night, be at council. Council chambers wasn't very big, probably, size of this room we're in mm-hmm. here. And the council chambers was full. The administration area was full. They were outside and they were in the fire hall. Everybody was there, and Mayor Pallison looked at me and he says, "Guess we're not voting on that tonight, are we?" I says, "I don't think you are." <laughs>
0: <Nice>. Well played. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. I mean, you'll often hear me and Brent's probably sick of hearing me say this, but ego, turf, time, and money are are the evils in it all, and and it's the same across the country, right? Somebody's ego gets hurt, or uh, there's a turf war to be had, and. We get caught in the middle of it. I think that Chicago fire chief, I won't quote him exactly, right? But he said they want to fund two dumbasses in a pickup truck to come and help with everything until it's their fire. And then they want, you know, 25-year-old brain surgeon decathletes to be able to show up in a million-dollar truck and spend all the time that's required to save their stuff. And so it's kind of the human nature piece of it, right? Where they pay for us to be ready and to be on standby and to be available, but uh, sometimes no one wants to bear that cost until it's time that you need that cost. And then there's no amount of money they would spend. So it's always hard to find that fine line. It, it's good to hear the stories that, you know, it, it was no easier for you back then. It's still not easy today, right? It's a, it's a big expense for trying to keep people safe. So it's funny to listen to all those things and, and firefighting runs so deep. So I stopped to pick you guys up the other day and we're heading down to mug shots in Calgary must eat place. They don't pay me to say that. I'm just saying you should be there. <laughs> and, uh, I look on the back of your truck and I was like, look at this, right? He's been retired as a fire chief for a long time. His son's still a captain. And there he is sporting the Chestermere Fire Service logo and the IAF logo supporting the firefighters in the community. And, and so it just never, it's not a part of you that ever retires. It's not a part of you that ever quits. You always, you came back to town this spring and you stopped at the fire hall and how are things going and what's going on? And here you are today wearing a Chestermere Fire shirt. So to me, it's, uh, I love that piece of firefighting. You know, you don't have to be actively in it to still be in it and be part of it and and to do those things. And so, Brent, I'll you know turn it to you here now and say, like, how does that feel? Like, how does it feel? Your dad shows up and he's been gone for the winter and and he's like, hey, can you get me one of those stickers and can you and let's put it on my truck? And how how does that feel?
2: Oh, it's it's good, right? This the pride that he still has for it and and that's what he instilled in me, right? That's why I'm so passionate about it and why I care so much and why when things are going wrong I'm so invested into it but no it's great that he built it right so he should have that pride every time that he sees everything go by I'm just trying to help with some really really smart people smarter than me keep it going right so yes I love it, it
0: there's people smarter than you at work oh yeah
2: <laughs> can you text me a list on yeah or? <laughs> I can text you a long list
0: all uh, right on. Uh, it's it's all those parts that I love, right? It's, uh, you know, we were out training on the boat the other day and there's your dad sitting out there on the end of the dock and we get to stop and talk and how's it going and what are people saying? And it's just uh, that it's that piece of the fire service that never goes away. Right. And so for me. I always think about, you know, the the good the bad the ugly, right? And so I'm going to start with you Brent, Wayne you're next so you'll have some extra time to think about it. But what do you love the most about the fire service, Brent?
2: Brotherhood. 100%. It's your team, your guys. And yeah, there's always guys that you butt heads with sometimes, but every one of them there would do anything for you and you would do anything for any of them too. So for sure on that would be my brother would say brotherhood for sure.
0: Nice. Did he take yours, Wayne, or you got a good one
1: too? <laughs> no, there's that as well, but it's a little little longer than that for me because we had that when we started. Like that's The only reason all this started was because of exactly what Brent's saying. It's just that we all came together to save somebody, to save lives, and started with our families, naturally. But it grew from there, and even all the people for all the years that we were friends with after they even left or moved away, or one thing I like is we all started going up to Vermilion Firefighting School. Right. Sir. And everybody was up there. And like Brent, when he was, the day he was 17, I'm sure it was 17 that you could join the fire department. That day he was over there joining it. And I says, well, you're not coming on my squad. I says, because I don't <laughs> want anybody saying that you're getting special treatment. So he went on Roy's, I think, didn't you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we you and I never actually did no. work together. Ever. No.
1: No, because I said no. I'm not going to have all this bullshit back and forth. You know, of all the stuff that's going on. Yeah, he'd been around for long enough. He he knew what was going on anyway. Then we started a bunch of us all started going up to Vermilion and as well. And eventually, after that, from Brent going up there, they had a big poster up on the tower of him and I. We weren't together, but they put us together. Yeah, in ba hanging off the tower. And nice. that was one of their posters up there. What's to talk about so that. So that was a special moment.
0: For sure. I've yeah. got that generational piece, right? Where you and I totally feel your your pain on that one. My son started with the fire department and we even got to that point where they're like, Oh, we're not gonna let any family be on the fire department. And my comment to that is always like, What are you gonna shut down the fire service then? Mm-hmm because who else are we going to get to do this crazy job if we can't get our friends and family we're not going to have anybody to do this right so and so you carry along those pieces and and it's always hard right it's it's hard to have them there it's you you worry a little bit more cuz they're your family and and those kinds of things but then there's also that pride piece which i could totally just see in your face a minute ago when you were talking about that where it's, uh, you know, you, you could see it's going to get turned over to somebody that really cares about it as much as you do and and, and does all the things you can do. You think you'd be the fire chief one day, Wayne?
1: Him? He's probably had that opportunity a few times now, and he's just turned it down because of he what he just said. Yeah. He loves being with the guys. Right. He loves running with them. So. He
0: doesn't like getting the mail either, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It is hard. Yeah, for sure. I could see that. I won't give up hope that he'll be the fire chief in Chestermere one day. Well, he might
1: yet. be some someday. A few more years.
0: Mm. <laughs> get him a few more gray
2: hairs, eh? And he'll start to...
1: yeah, A little less hair. Oh. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's only 15 years till retirement from here, gentlemen. So.
0: So, so this is a kind of a cool special place. It started out small. It's right kind of around the irrigation district's lake. I still have a hard time saying lake, but I'm trying to get it out there. <laughs> And it's surrounded by county. So way back to when you're talking about, Calgary is 20 minutes away. Today, Calgary is the border with Chestermere. It's the same thing. And you had Rocky View County around you, right? So like, what was it like back in those days? What, Where was the closest places that you could get help from? Was that even a thing that you could get help from another fire department?
1: Calgary, basically, was the only place. Uh, there was really nobody around that helped us out. Down a few years down the road, I guess there was Langdon, but other than that, there was nobody, no other hall around or anything. That, other than that, it was Strathmore, which was, you know, was might as well have been two hundred light years away. A
0: long ways away for sure. Yeah, like even today, Brent. I guess yeah. you have Balzac, Rocky View County, and Langdon, but you know those are a ways away.
2: Yeah, they're they're a ways away. And back in those days, there wasn't very many people in Langdon, so if. You happen to get somebody, then it was amazing. But if it was farming season, right? If it was harvest or if it was seeding, you aren't getting anybody. So you get them from Calgary, but Calgary doesn't know how to do necessarily rural firefighting, right? For they're, sure, they're, yeah. they're used to having a hydrant, they're used to having yeah. a million guys with them. and. It's just different firefighting.
0: For sure. Yeah, it gets closer now as the city grows and we get yeah. to around 24,000 people. It's more city firefighting. And less it is rural definitely more city firefighting. So it kind of changes as we go along, right? So in those early days, I hear some of the challenges, right? Money was one of the challenges. What was it like to get firefighters? Could you recruit easily? Did you have lots of firefighters?
1: We actually did have a fair amount of firefighters available. There was a couple of times when we, you know, would kind of get down when somebody, a couple, three people would move away. But uh, it had a pretty good name for itself. Right, so it was you. a, it was the odd time we had, you know, like a counselor, husband, or something that was on that we uh, kind of asked to leave once in a while. Yeah. But stuff like that that was going directly back to where it's it shouldn't have been. Too political. Yeah. <laughs> too hot to handle.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I kind of, I listened to the story Wayne talking about, you know, when it was smaller and growing up, even today, you know, you'll only have four or five guys on shift and, and helps 25 minutes away or, or longer. It's always kind of, it seems like it's always kind of been that place. That's just a little too far from Calgary for the big help and a little too small to get the kind of big, big help. So it's kind of gone through all these years as a smaller, independent, self-dependent fire department. What do you think the future looks like? How's it going to change as you go from 300 people, 380 people to, you know, 10,000, 15? Now we're at 24,000. What's it going to look like, Brent, when it's 24 to 50,000?
2: Oh. <laughs> I wonder who does listen to this podcast. See how <laughs> you know, much trouble I get in here. Like I came off night shift last night, right? We did six calls and they did another five calls during the day. Like we're just, we're too busy to do that off four. We had stack calls and we're just going to have to we're a city now we're gonna have to act like that and start adding some more people and get some more bodies um because help is just a little too far away still but that's to see it we've grown in hall we've grown in equipment we've grown in trucks we've grown in training it's now it's time we need to really start growing in personnel
0: right and so like this isn't unique across the country no. right there's the small town that turns into the big town that turns into the small city you know medium-sized city and it keeps to grow and and it was funny one of your comments at the start Wayne, was talking about a mayor that said well this place isn't going to grow this isn't I've only been here three months and I drive around in the new areas every week, at least once. And there's 200 houses being built here right now. So, you know, you guys remember it was 380 people. There probably wasn't 200 houses then. That many houses are being built in the three months since I've lived here. So to that mayor back in the day, he obviously didn't see that this was going to happen someday. And I think sometimes the people that live here, It's hard for them too, right? Some of them probably wish it was 380 people again. Some of them can't really understand that 200 houses are being built right now. And they usually start four or five new houses every week when I drive through on those tours. Every single week. And so I think that's only going to increase here, right? So it's interesting. Wayne, now, like, you know, you you leave, you go away and, and visit nicer, warmer places in the summertime and you come back. What's it like to come back year after year for a visit and see this place grow like this?
1: Well, last year when I was away, I was out on the island for the winter and I didn't come back till I left in September, October. Yeah, first of October I left. And when I came back here in June... June. First of June, there was hardly anything on the that other side of the road towards Calgary. A few houses. I bet you it's, what, half, three-quarters full now? Yeah. That's a lot of acreage there. Yeah. It's like, a lot it's huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge.
0: Yeah, these two cities are just going to grow at a huge pace and slam into each oh, other, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: They butt but each other now, so.
0: Yeah. It's scary to think about, really, right? And it's hard to talk about the future and think about the future and figure it out. So I'm going to skip gears here a little bit, talking about the future. You're both mechanical guys. You both have that background, lots of experience with that. And let's talk a little bit about fire apparatus. So I I love in Chestermere that they have that old Ford truck there that is sitting there with the tank on the back and we display it and it's from the Cottagers Association way back at the start. You talk about another truck that you bought from the Calgary Police Service. That was like their riot truck. And so let's let's hear a little bit about that as we kind of progress through the years on fire apparatus.
1: Well, basically over the years, we just kept buying old equipment from city of Calgary. Or, and we did buy one from, wasn't Slave Lake. No, one from Hinton. Hinton. Hinton, when Frank was up there, was the chief who went up there, because he was doing some training at Bermillion as well. And that one was actually a pretty new one. Firefighters actually had somewhere to ride. It wasn't closed in, but they had (laughs) somewhere to go besides hanging off the tailgate.
2: The old Spearier cab over, I think, that one, was it? Yep. Well, that police one that you got, though, that was the first ever pumper that we had, right? That was the first actual pumper,
1: yeah. The other ones we just had were tankers that we'd taken a PTO drive off of it and hooked up all of our old cotton jacketed two and a half inch to it. (laughs) Yeah, that was kind of the first one. And we had to start, the pump went out on that one. We had to rip it all apart, and because of that, we were out of service for, it was old, and actually the, the number on the pump, we thought it was OLD. We kept phoning Superior in place and saying, no, I got serial numbers OLD. We finally come back and said, why is it that? And I said, because it's, it's old? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was a Q, when we couldn't see it. So eventually they came back with the exploded view because all of us volunteers got together, ripped it apart, ordered the parts because we couldn't afford them. All right. And uh, some of the guys that were a little more affluent in the community had businesses, and we needed bearings and things like that, and they ordered them through their businesses and nice brought them out. out nice So by the time we got the parts and everything all back together, we pulled an all-nighter again, which was normal for us guys out there, to put this thing back together. And we had it, like by sunrise, we were phoning Calgary and saying, we're back in service.
0: that's pretty great i mean today the our options are like do we get an electric pump or do we uh you know do we get this automated sam system so it runs it for us or are we going to get the one like the diesel one or the electric fire truck or the right so it's come a long ways from that tender that was sitting out in the middle of the the yard Mm -hmm. that somebody donated to you and then you paid to fix up right yeah mechanical guys what do you think where is it gonna go Right. I mean, we used to laugh at the Jetsons flying around in little cars and we're almost there. So where's fire trucks going to go? I
1: don't know. You see all this stuff that's over in Japan and everywhere else. And you see them, you know, what they say they can do now, you know, for high rises and stuff of, you know, launching these like bombs in there that (laughs) blow up and put everything out. And uh, it'll be there someday. So you won't be having to worry about doing up all the stairs to get to where you're going. They're just going to be, you know, up. Launched them in and stuff. Yeah. Look what they're doing just, just with what they've got now, nowadays with drones. Yeah. So you get a bigger drone and stuff like that, and you can have something pretty Fly quick up there or know what's going on, you know, all around you. Right. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's going to be uh, pretty spiffy stuff down the road here, I think.
2: Yeah. It's, you know, from going from that like police riot truck that comes painted a horrible blue with police, huge police <laughs> down the side. You know, I I did operate that truck a little bit, right? (laughs) We rode in the tailboard of that truck to this, went to a newer truck. Then we had a super pumper. And now we've got, we're looking at ordering a new truck sometime in 2022, early 2023, right? For delivery and run that T-Rex. And like, it's just amazing to look at what I have operated, what I am currently operating. And in a way you go, man, it's taken forever. But in a way it's like, okay, this is only really over. 25 years for myself that we've gone that far. So by the time I retire, I don't know, it's going to be pretty impressive, especially with Vancouver getting electric fire trucks and stuff like it's Mm -hmm. it's coming. It's not I don't know where it's going to end up, but it's it's impressive. And I can't can't wait to see when I'm, you know, my dad's age stop him back in at the fire hall to see what what's new and say hi to some people yeah you know like will it yeah. be bigger be smaller? Like, what's here Dude, like right? show me your pilot's license <laughs> exactly yeah, show me the More
0: robots and then less firefighters right yeah. I, I love to think about this and talk about this because it's just like it changes and, and firefighters you know everyone always says 100 years of tradition unimpeded by change <laughs> which is such crap because i mean we change all the time there's a few things we dug our heels on don't get me wrong right we still got a big logo sitting here on on my on my table and you know we still like our big decals and we still like our maltese cross and and you know our helmet styles will argue about till the end of time but you know we changed so much in so many other oh. ways right the apparatus changed from the very first one you talked about to the one we're looking at ordering today not just in money two thousand dollars to 1.2 million dollars but in scope you know the depth of work that we have to do the types of work we have to do how many firefighters we have and don't have. And so, you know, the equipment, the breathing apparatus. Like, so Wayne, take us back. They, they didn't have any probably when you started, so.
1: No, they had no breathing apparatus. The only reason they would let us be volunteer firefighters if we didn't do internal, that was the council again. So eventually we finally got two BA with a couple of backups. That I think was- I saw
0: the picture the yeah. there.
1: <laughs> so, We said, well, we can't send somebody in, even a foot inside, unless there's a backup. So we started with the 2BA. So what I did is every time there was a house fire and it was in the middle of the night, I would have the people on the fire phones phone all the counselors. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. didn't matter. We're going to be up. You got to see what we got to do. So we had one at the other end of the lake that we got down there, and it was kind of a, a textbook thing that you'd see up at Vermillion or somewhere, or the fire school, is where they had a huge party inside, had a great big wooden oak table. Before they left and all went back into town to party, they took everything, the 2,000 ashtrays that used to be around everybody's house, and that was all dumped in with the paper and uh, everything else, and it was shoved underneath the table. So everybody leaves, and they phone in and say, well, this house is smoking. So we get there. And it is, the fireplace is just, so we figure, okay, what's going on here? And we walk up and the thermal pane windows are all melted and sagging down, just not broken through. So we're knowing we've got a problem in here now, but it is venting. So just about that time, whoever was underneath the oak table had just been sitting there smoldering, went through to the floor. It burnt the hole through the floor instead of up because of the table. right. So, all of a sudden, we're looking inside, and we can't see what's going on. All of a sudden, there's these white piles all over the place inside, and we're baffled. Here, they had a whole bunch of the huge styrofoam dolls and whatever for the kids and whatever. Mm-hmm. It was so hot inside that all the nylon on them melted, and they were just in lumps. Around the room. Around the room. So, we said, okay, got to go in there. So, we went through the window and went in, and... As soon as we figured out what was going on, it was pretty simple. We went downstairs and put the fire out. It was downstairs. It wasn't anywhere else. We couldn't find anything. Right. But at that point there, we had all of the counselors standing in front of the window that we went through. And I purposely kept them there and I let them choke on the fumes. <laughs> to say, yeah, we don't need these things.
0: Yeah. What, yeah. What we got some more what? after that.
1: Yeah, it's funny how that, so. that happened. You
0: know? <laughs> to be fair, it's all about education, right? And so that's a, a different education that that counselor got on that particular night, and and it worked.
1: I have one funny one I want to tell you though. It's uh, another one that we had textbook. Matter of fact, I took the evidence up to uh, Vermillion to let them use for training. And you know the old story where you somebody does the paint and the varnish and the oil and puts on something and it combusts during the night. Exactly what happened in this house. They did everything. We're staining wood. Put it underneath the cabinet, underneath the sink. It did ignite. Started there and burnt through the back of the wall and up. And we got there. We went in, fully involved. Went in and just probably firefighters have been through this. You look in there and you, there's the fire. Put it out. wouldn't go out. Double doors, mirrors.
0: Oh, yeah. It's around the corner. Here, but <laughs> I remember something similar one day. We were in this nasty battle and we were going around the house and you're doing your search and we we're going around and and I hit the, the top of the desk and I was going across the top while my partner checked along the floor. And all of a sudden that room lit up like Christmas. I was like, oh, this is a flashover. We're dead. And we just stopped and you could look around. It was so bright. It was one of those touch lamps. And as I was searching, the power wasn't off in the house yet. And I hit this lamp and it just went to full power. (laughs) This little tiny bedroom just just glow in the dark, so bright. And uh, you're just like, you know, how could that happen? But it does. Right. And. And so it is great. Those those stories are great. Those are things that it doesn't really happen as much anymore because people are more careful and we don't have some of those different things. But it's guess like the first time you see a light bulb that actually melts to the heat mm-hmm. and it's pointing to you the origin of the fire, and you're like, yeah. "Come, that can't be true. That's just something they put in the books and tell us to make fun of us." And then you see your first one, and you're like, "Wow, look at that! You know, that's so cool. All those aha moments. I guess right." So Brent, you're you're in the fire service still. It's thanks to your dad, or because of your dad, I would say. You know, you're growing up fire, and you're doing all these things. I was looking at a thing the other day. Told me you've been doing this for 25 years already. Yep. Right. What are, What are some of the next things for you? What do you see in the fire service future?
2: In the fire service future for myself, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Hey, I- <laughs> Nothing as amazing as what a lot of people probably were hoping. I'm one of those guys that keeps on making jokes that I've plateaued, and I'm happy being a captain. I want to stay a captain. I love being on the trucks. And it's because I love being – not. I said brotherhood earlier, but it's also – I just love serving the community. I love being out there. I love making the difference. I love being one of those ones that's actually on that front line, making that difference and seeing the difference in their face. So, But who knows, right? can never say never i learned that a long time ago of what it's going to bring but with (laughs) dad being a firefighter his dad did some firefighting on the oil rigs and on my mom's side her grandfather was a firefighter in cranbrook i just found out last year so there's definitely lots of us that did it that's part
0: of the family business growing up
2: far as i can get but yeah (laughs) it's like uh like your son ryan i don't I don't know. I don't know what's necessarily going to happen. It's going to be interesting, and I love the technology pieces that are coming along. I love the different things, but I guess the biggest question for me is this: is the the new firefighters that you get. It's so different, and with the life experiences that are different, and they there's a lot of things they just haven't done. And it's like, what, what do you mean you don't know how 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 this would happen? We got to
0: get your mom in here and show her so she can show you. <laughs> yeah, exactly right.
2: And you're just looking at them like you. What did you do growing up? Did you you ever get out? Or so it's just different. But so yeah, I'm curious with that, and look forward to to new firefighters. Really,
0: you know, for me, we were sitting last night on social media, and we're looking at the Chestermere page. I don't know which one, one of them, and uh, I'm sure it was your crew because you guys had told me you turned around and went back and gave a little guy a helmet, and and you were talking with him, and his mom was just going on and on on the social media page of right. And I thought, growing up, fire. Like, who knows? Who knows where that impact and where that relationship with the fire department starts? Is it with a little plastic fire helmet? Is it with a fire at your house? Is it, you know, that need to help the community? Is it because someone in your family did it? All of those pieces are are great pieces and, and things that I think that we all have to think about and how we impact every single person that comes along. Right. So I sit here 30 year career. I got to see and do a lot of things. And I'm still in awe when I listen to your dad's stories about, you know, having to buy that truck and everybody had to throw in their honorarium and and everybody had to put in some of their paycheck and get this thing done. So I'm still in awe of that level of commitment where it was like, we're doing this for the community, but we're also doing it for each other and we're doing it for our families. And and so to me, maybe some parts of the fire service need a little more of Wayne's nope. stories and a little less of the current story that's going on. Yeah,
1: when I used to uh, come in there for a while and talk to the rookies and the, the new, I don't even know if they were through yet, but one of my things I used to tell them was, Take a look to your left, take a look to your right. See that person there? You want to make sure he's trained better than you are. So I guess today you can't say he. Well, we them? can say whatever we want. Yeah, we need them back. trained as good as. <laughs> yeah, you need them trained as. Better than yourself. And they kind of look at you, you know, and I says, because when you need them, I says, and that hand comes through the smoke or through the attic or through the floor, you need someone that's really good, going to help you out of that hole. Yeah. And then they would kind of go, okay, I understand that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and they probably take that message through their their whole time, right? I mean, I'm sure he's heard that message and takes it and turns it to his crew and, and carries it on, so... So guys, we've come to the end. I appreciate it. Growing Up Fire, episode 20. Brent and Wayne Paquette, right here in Chestermere, Alberta. I can't thank you guys enough for being here, sharing your story with us.
1: No problem. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Has anyone (laughs) dropped one of (laughs) these (laughs) on you yet?
0: I guess I'm buying beer, folks. That starts next. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.